How are we doing today? Outstanding. I like it. Could you turn me down just a little bit, please? All right. I don't want to blow everybody out here. Let's uh, pray before we begin. Lord, we thank you for this wonderful, gorgeous day that you've given us, this Christmas Eve, this, this time of celebration and this time of love and this time of giving uh, to one another. Lord, I ask that uh, as I teach this lesson today that your Holy Spirit would flow through me. Uh, give me the words when I don't have words and take away the words that don't belong there. In your son's name, I say thank you and amen. So um, I looked at the schedule and, uh, you know, Christmas Eve was one of those times that uh, I'm on the schedule to preach and and I'm thinking to myself, you know, I can't really do your normal Christmas Eve sermon. <laughs> so this isn't going to be one. It's not intended to be one, actually. Um, I'm an old school Church of Christ guy and uh, Christmas was not really one of our things. Okay. Um, Christmas is one of those days when uh, Generally speaking, I tend to think about all the commercialism and whatnot that, that you know that the world has turned um, Christmas into. So it's not intended to be a normal Christmas Eve sermon. I mean, yeah, I could tell you about um, Zechariah and Elizabeth, and I could tell you about how uh, the angel Gabriel came before Zechariah and he told him that. You know, Elizabeth, we're going to give birth to John the Baptist, and how Zechariah said, what are you nuts? And uh, so Gabriel made him mute until it was time to name John. And, and I could tell you about how Gabriel visited Mary, and, and, and how Mary, she believed what Gabriel was going to tell her, what Gabriel was telling her, excuse me, and uh, especially about how you know, Jesus was coming into her life. Wow. And I could could tell you about how Elizabeth reacted when she saw Mary. I could tell you about the census that happened and and how they had to travel to Bethlehem and how they had to stay at the Manger Six, where they always leave the light on for you. I could tell you about the shepherds and the wise men and the star and all that other stuff. But instead, let me quickly tell you about the one that was born that day. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him, but nothing was created except through Him. Wow. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. And a lot of translations will say that darkness hasn't understood it. It can't. Okay? God sent a man, John the Baptist, 
to tell about the light so that everybody might believe because of his testimony. And John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He came into the very world that he created. But the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people. And even they rejected him. But to all who believed and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn. Not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or pain, or, or plan, excuse me, but a birth that comes from God. A birth that comes from God. Wow. So the Word became human and made His home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen His glory. The glory of the Father's one and only Son. John testified about him. When he shouted to the crowds, this is the one I was talking about when I said, someone is coming after me who is far greater than I am. For he existed long before me. From His abundance we have all received our gracious blessing. Excuse me, one gracious blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the unique one who is Himself God is nearer to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. Go back to these first two verses. This is who Jesus is. He he pre-existed everything else. Pre-existed everything. He's God. I've always found it interesting how some religions of men actually give stories about how their deities came about. How a particular deity was created, particularly the Native Americans. But we know that ours existed before time even began. He created time. He's the Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end. He created everything. That's my second point. He pre-existed everything else, but he created everything. Nothing was created without him. Now, can you imagine that? See, this is the part about the Christmas story that blows my mind. Really. Just like it blew Augustine's, although I can't remember exactly how Augustine put it. But he put a bug in my brain, and I read Augustine's quote earlier in the week, and, and it's like, wow, this just fits with, with where I want to go on, on this sermon here. The one who created everything is born of a virgin woman. 
Why? Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges, took the humble position of a slave, and was born as a human being. Philippians 2, 6-7. The one who created Mary is given birth by Mary. The one who formed her arms is held by them. The one who created everything is in seven or eight pounds of wriggling human flesh. The one who spoke a word and the universe came into being is rendered wordless. He put each star where it goes. He even named them. But he can't even grasp his own toes. And he can't even see straight for the first couple of weeks. The one to whom even our most righteous act is as skubala, as Paul puts it in the Greek, and I don't really want to translate that word, has to wait for the skubala to be cleansed from him by his parents. He created manna for the Israelites. But he has to wait until Mary can nurse him. He created men. He created man, excuse me. And now, because he's a baby, he is totally dependent upon them. He is, oh, I guess he's not, so I'm going to go. Long one. Sorry about that. I got these really brief thumbnails. <laughs> so why? I mean, why does he go through all this? I mean, let's face it. You know, after this, he's got to go through teething. He's got to go through pimples. He's got to go through puberty. He's got to go through all the things that we have to go through. Why? He created everything. Created everything. But he came to explain everything. The one who created everything considers us to be his best creation. That's a scary thought. I'm one of his best creations. You're one of his best creations. After all, nothing else in the universe is formed in his image, right? Nothing. And so rather than let us stagger through the darkness, which doesn't understand the light at all, worshiping the things that he actually created, as the beginning of Romans tells us, he came to be born as a baby. So that when he grew into a man, he could show us his unfailing love and his faithfulness. He came not to give us the law, but to fulfill it. He came to the world that he created and the people within it and he neither, never accepted him. 
Just like the indignity of waiting for a diaper change, he endured people laughing at him, spitting on him, beating him, stripping him naked, and nailing him to a cross. Why? To give us the opportunity to recognize who he truly is. So that we might believe, so that we might believe and accept and receive that right to be known as children of God. Because the one whose birth that we celebrate tomorrow is unique and was the only one who could reveal God to us. When we were utterly helpless, God in Christ, came to us at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might be perhaps willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed us his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we've been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies. He will we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. Romans. Jesus Christ has made us friends with God. We had to become a baby first. This is why we celebrate. It's not that the birth of a baby isn't a wonderful thing. I'm sure that he was just as cute as any other baby that's ever been born. He probably had that fresh baby smell that we all love, right? It's not the gifts that we give each other in remembrance of this remarkable gift from God. That's not the important stuff. Because it, when you think about it, after all, pretty much everybody in this room next year, you will probably not remember what you gave to some people. And you will probably not remember who gave you some of the stuff that you received. If we don't celebrate this because, you know, we like giving presents to people that we only see once a year at Christmas time, even though they're family, we don't celebrate this just because we believe in mass commercialism and we just want to buy, buy, buy because that's what the television tells us. We celebrate because the eternal God through whom everything was created chose for a time to dwell amongst us as a man so that he might reveal his heart for us, to us. So that we could understand, choose to follow him, and love him in return. And that is why he's called the greatest gift of all. Father God, we thank you for being willing to endure everything that you endured on this earth. 
so that we might know and understand and accept you and believe in you and follow you. Lord God, as we celebrate this Christmas Eve and Christmas tomorrow, let us never forget what you gave up so that we might be able to do it. What you had to endure so that we might be able to do it. And we give you all the thanks and all of the glory for doing for us what we could never do for ourselves. In your Son's name, we say thank you. And amen.